You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Tuesday the 14th. That would be Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's to you, Boomer. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day to you. (laughs) Where's my box of candy? I should have brought it. We needed some more rations. (laughs) We need some more right side rations. That's right. Uh, You guys doing good? Good. Good day. Hey, yesterday was uh, Little Man's... Little Man's baseball tryout. Come on. Yeah, Come on. I know he was he was a little Mookie Betts, <laughs> <laughs> a little Mook man. Oh, that's, it, was, it was a great time. That's good. That's good. You know what's crazy? You were telling me earlier too. You we'll talk about it more later. But you you went out there, and it turns out one of your old coaches was one of the ones doing tryouts for your own son. That's just, yes. how crazy is that? It was it was nuts. I it, never thought that would ever happen. A little surreal. A little surreal. It was it was pretty crazy. Uh, but did he make the team? <laughs> I don't know. They oh, haven't posted the, the draft yet. Who do I, I got to call? Uh, we got to get we got to get this down. Who do I have to slander? Somebody. <laughs> we need to know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, we got a great show for you. So much content. I literally decided no guests for today. We'll take calls if you want to later on, but I decided not to schedule any guests because the content in these dippers is so thick. So so below the 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 no, I mean below the, the the levels like like behind the scenes, like inside between the lines, like it's deep dive. We're going to dig into it. So I got a triple dipper that's going to be a good one is what I'm saying. Hit it, Boomer. The triple dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right. The triple dipper. Three stories. Three themes you got to know as we run today's show. Here's the first one. The price of border chaos. Now, we've covered some of this before, but now I'm, I'm getting deeper. And what's really interesting to me is when I found what I would consider to be a deep dive article on actual policies that Mexico put in place the day after Biden was elected that have changed the game. Yeah, completely. I mean, things you're not hearing reported on a regular basis here, I'm going to bring it out for you today to give you a bigger picture of why the southern border is what it is, and Mexico and Canada have a part in all of this. So number one of the Triple Dipper, the price of border chaos. We'll talk about that then. And then number two, I started to do it yesterday. I held it off to today, killing the burbs. All right, so what's the scoop? Why do Democrats want to do away with the suburbs? There's a lot of reasons, not the least of which they try to portray as racism. But the truth is they are trying to do away with the burbs. Wouldn't it be just wonderful, a utopia, if we could just please have some equity in the manner in which the green grass of the suburbs is allowed to be experienced, or for that matter, it's concreted over and build apartment buildings. (laughs) Why not? That's what we're going to talk about. Number two, killing the burbs. And then number three, Being told what to think. Did you know that we still have an actual disinformation office in the U.S. government? We do. We thought we got rid of that thing last year, right? No, we've still got one. And uh, Elon Musk calls it one of the most dangerous entities in all of U.S. government. We'll talk about that and who it collaborates with and what they've been doing. And number three of the Triple Dipper, being told what to think. All right, let let me jump over to my comments, though. And, and I, I got to say, as I, as I look through today's content and got ready for today's show, um, 
I really found myself thinking, well, you'll see. Let me ask this question first. Is it possible to shift liability? And by that, I mean, is it possible that something bad happens and when all the facts are gathered up that you realize that it was the fault of someone who wasn't even present when the bad events transpired? And listen, I'm not talking about the lack of maturity that says everyone has a right to play the victim card. If you screwed up, you should accept the responsibility. What I am talking about, though, is the notion that sometimes events transpire, the events that cause harm, and they are actually set in motion by someone else, and that but for the actions of that third party, the harm to others would not have occurred. It's a form of blame shifting. It's also got legal precedent covered in the law. For instance, here's the deal. In Alabama, we have Title VI of the state code. It covers matters of civil liability, all right? So within Title VI, we have something called the Alabama Extended Manufacturer's Liability Act. What is that? Well, the bottom line is that manufacturers have a duty, generally speaking, to supply goods and products to the market that are reasonably safe for their use as intended. Let me give you a hypothetical. What if an auto manufacturer provides a faulty seatbelt or an inoperable airbag, and then the injuries in an accident may be in part because of the manufacturer? I mean, there was still an accident. Someone could be at fault for the accident itself. But if the airbag did not deploy there's a whole other component to the lawsuit. But it could get worse than that. Consider this. What if the manufacturer of traffic lights puts out a stoplight that is ineffective? It has a flaw. It fails to work. It gives both sides of the intersection the green light at the same time. And suddenly an accident occurs at the intersection, an accident that very likely would not have occurred if the traffic light had not failed. In that case, it's more than just an additional liable party. In that case, you may well have burden shifting because but for the faulty traffic light, the accident never would have occurred. That, my friends, is true burden shifting. Away from those who may have actually been involved in what you see on the scene and onto the one who created the issue that caused all the problems in the first place. In essence, the accident occurred, but the stage was set by someone else. And that, my friends, is where we are on the southern border. There's a great deal of harm. Lives are being impacted. Businesses are struggling. Whole communities are being pressed down. Law enforcement is at their wits end and people are even dying. And yes, we have a flood of illegal immigrants coming across our southern border. But the fact remains that the true burden of responsibility, the actual fault, if you will, is the Biden administration for the way that it has set the stage for this disaster. Let me take that legal analogy I gave you a step further. Generally speaking, when someone is tempted to assign liability, there has to be like a case made for negligence or recklessness. But that extended product liability that I discussed earlier, it can also have a provision that allows for what, calls, what the law calls strict liability. What that means is that an injured person may in certain situations be able just to prove liability exists even without proving there was negligence. Just by showing that it was an unreasonably dangerous defect that caused harm, even though the product was still being used like it was intended. And even though it was in substantially the same condition as it was when it left the factory, it's liability simply because, just strictly speaking. Well, our southern border is a hot mess right now. Every single day sees thousands, even tens of thousands of illegal crossings. Numbers that did not exist prior to the Biden administration taking office. Haven't we always had illegal immigration? Sure we have, but never like this. Never in such a manner in which the illegals themselves openly confess that they are rushing the gates, swimming the rivers, and daring the deserts simply because they believe the Biden administration has made it possible for them to do so. We can even see pictures of them carrying signs thanking Joe Biden. It is hard not to imagine how anyone can think anything other than this crisis being brought about by Biden's policies. Basically, but for the actions of the Biden administration, the southern border would be a whole lot different. 
And we know that because we can see the trends, the actual numbers that existed the day before he took office and beginning again on the day after. Let me dissect one of the situations that needs to be making more headlines, but unfortunately isn't. 73-year-old George Allen Kelly, he's an Arizona rancher. He and his wife, who's also in her 70s, they've ranched their land on the edge of the Mexican border for years. In the last two years, George Allen Kelly has consistently had unknowns trespassing on his land, which has caused him to have to remain armed at all times. Approximately two weeks ago, Mr. Kelly and his wife heard a gunshot on their land while they were eating lunch at the house. Kelly says he grabbed his rifle, he stepped outside, and he saw a group of men armed with AK-47s crossing his property. And fearing for he and his wife's safety, he fired several shots into the air to warn them away. His land has become a thoroughfare now for narco-traffickers and smugglers and illegal immigrants. Kelly says the men ran away, and he hoped that was the end of it. But later that day, he came across the body of Gabriel Cuyen Biptomea, an illegal who had been deported multiple times in the past, multiple times. Kelly called law enforcement, and it was determined that Butamea had died from a gunshot wound. We haven't heard anything yet about a forensic sport matching Butamea's wounds to Kelly's rifle. But Kelly denies killing him. And Butamea, though, is nonetheless dead. Kelly is now being held on $1 million bond, which he's unable to pay, so his elderly wife is alone at the house. So we have a tragic incident. One family has had their lives turned upside down. One man is dead a community trying to put it all together, law enforcement being tasked with the investigation on top of everything else they're enduring on the southern border. But ask yourself this question. But for the actions of the Biden administration, would this whole incident have ever occurred? I mean, there may be criminal liability on the part of Mr. Kelly. I don't know. But would he have had armed illegals on his land but for the Biden administration setting the stage for it? Butamea might have been killed by someone else. I don't know. But would he have been out there at all but for the Biden administration making it so easy for someone like him who has been deported multiple times to keep re-entering the U.S. illegally? And Mrs. Kelly? Would she be alone at the ranch right now wondering if she'll ever have lunch with her husband again if it weren't for the actions of the Biden administration creating the environment in which all of this has occurred? So, extended liability. For the southern border? Biden? I say yes. Maybe even strict liability an unreasonably dangerous defect in our border policies that causes harm even though the border itself remains unchanged. And but for Joe Biden's border policies, Mr. Kelly would likely be having lunch today with Mrs. Kelly. And that's a wrap for the Right Side Way. Well, there it is. I mean, the reality is this. I'm not excusing Kelly. I'm not excusing Butamea. What I'm saying is that event... That event right there may have an entire third party that bears some liability, if not strict liability, for the overall situation. And that's the Biden administration, because but for their actions, Lutamea might still be alive. Kelly might still be at home. So is there a possibility there's an accident or an incident or a crime? Absolutely. But is it possible, just possible, that none of it would have happened if the Biden administration had a border policy that made some sense? All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll keep that theme going. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back, Right Side Radio, with the best bump music on the air. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Boomers on the board. Hey, brother, I am uh, looking up the screen right now. Uh, Breaking news. Uh, We got several breaking news stories, but uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is now speaking about this contamination at the uh, site of a major train derailment. Oh, wow. I got to say, Mike DeWine looks like Bilbo Baggins got elected as a uh, a governor. It just have you noticed that? Just looks like Bilbo Baggins got a little old and tired and then took a job in government. That's what it looks like. It's like hello, <laughs> the precious coming from the fryer. Um, uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a major story we're seeing right now. It's developing, uh, and we may talk about it more later on this week or this today if you want to. But the the truth is that that's that train derailment has created a huge toxic cloud. And apparently it was set on fire intentionally in order to burn off the content of this train is what I've gathered. Mm. And now there's finding, you know, the people are getting sick, the uh, water is contaminated, and the air is black with this uh, hydrochloric acid or something similar to. Yikes. Not, 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 not good. good. Not, not good, good at all. Also, by the way, uh, there's a track of the story, Michigan State University uh, shooting on campus today. Uh, we're told uh, three dead, five wounded. Uh, and the first thing out the gate, President Biden made a statement calling for gun control, um, because that is certainly what uh, had to be the problem. It's not the fact that a crazy man decided to shoot somebody. Um, but we'll we'll watch that story and let you know more as we see it. And then a third story breaking. Uh, fighter jets have scrambled to intercept three Russian military aircraft near NATO airspace. So what we're seeing today was that... Um, Russian surveillance planes uh, were flying near the Polish border. I, I guess they got overhead, uh, and because Poland, I mean, isn't there a gap? There's a gap. Didn't Ukraine stand between? Yeah, Ukraine stands between Russia and um, Poland. Poland. Yeah, but the Baltic states maybe flew around up to the Baltic. Anyway, the bottom line is, um, NATO aircraft uh, chased them away. Uh, there's that. And then the fourth story. Whew. Lord have mercy, Man, I can't even, the, Boomer, I need more coffee. story after story. I was just saying, <laughs> um, is that uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, soon to turn 90 years old, 90, 90 years old, wow. um, found her way to a microphone to announce that she is not going to run for re-election. Well, praise God. Um, well, I mean, it's not like she's not been one of the most liberal members of the Senate anyway, but she's also 90 years old, and some say her mental capacity is truly diminished in a, in a sad way. Uh, and probably Man. shouldn't even be in office right now, but uh, that's just what they say. You know what I mean? That's what they that's say. That's what they say. That's what they say. Read it on the bathroom wall somewhere. <laughs> hey, but the, the big story of the day, though, the man, is, is is little dude had his baseball tryouts last night. Oh, man, little dude had his baseball tryouts. We were talking about it before, right before the uh, the monologue and everything, and yeah. he, it was, it, he did great. Of course he did. He did great. His daddy's a ball player. Yeah, he did awesome, and his, and his mom's just a – Awesome athlete. So <laughs> that's where we're, that's exactly that's where true. He gets he's got his... the genetics between mom being a a, a, a college uh, gymnast and you being a uh, a college baseball. baseball player. So for the love. So he he got it from his mom, I, and I'll be very happy if he got it from his mom. So he because... can play shortstop and also uh, <laughs> he'll he'll jump he up do and back do a back, dip, back yeah. tuck and and catch the ball <laughs> and stuff. But the funny thing is, is our uh, new podcast that's releasing tomorrow is all about the life lessons from sports. Oh, so dude, just to plug that give, in. Give there. me a give me a teaser then. What are <laughs> what are some of the life lessons from sports that you uh, you you got in there? Well, mine was uh, my biggest thing was when I was playing sports at a young age. I was taught 
um, never, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. You never give up. Mm. Well, never give up. And then right. one of my favorite quotes was Wayne Gretzky. You miss a, a hundred percent of the shots you never oh, take. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite quotes and, you know, sticks with me all the way through. I've and, got uh, that uh, is mentioned. I've got a quote written down. I've got like a notebook full of quotes. Like when I hear one, I thought oh. oh, it's worth keeping. So I, I write it down. I'm trying to think. I think it was uh, uh, Christian Ronaldo, uh, the 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 world class soccer player, mm-hmm. who said, um, uh, "I don't play against another team. I play against the idea of losing." Oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I just love the, I love like sports quotes like that. I mean, because it just gets you all fired up. And I mean. I know you have tons of quotes, even from military days. I, I got, I got some quotes. Yeah, you got some quotes. I got some quotes, but well, that's that's cool, man. So <laughs> when does he find out? I mean, what's crazy to me? I've always thought it was a little bit odd that five year olds have tryouts. It, this was our first go around at five year old tryouts, and I'm not a participation trophy guy. No, not I'm all. not either. I'm like, I'm all about it. I, I, you know, I dumbed him down, and like he had just sweats on and, and a long sleeve shirt, a raggedy hat. You know, everybody else was like all done up in their baseball gear. And I was like, nah, he's going to be like the diamond in the rough today. So. <laughs> Did it work? Oh, yeah, it worked. It was awesome. Oh, that's good. So you, you work with him at home, too, I take it. Oh, a little bit. I, I have failed at that. I should be working with him way more than I, sh- than I have been. All right. At baseball. All right. At baseball. So, but I, it'll I, come. I, I've seen how he reacts when he sees you here in the studio. He, <laughs> he, he knows his daddy. But uh, that's, just, that's just good, man. All right, well, listen. Who do I got to call and beat up on to make sure that that my my adopted nephew gets a, a spot on the team? Hey, you know what? I'm just I'm just ready to get the call, the the draft <laughs> call. You know, be like, hey, he's 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 on he's on our team. I'd Bringing like, him up to the big leagues. Let's do it. Get call ready. up, call up the big show. <laughs> <laughs> call up to the big. Call up to the bigs, man. Man, it's, we, gonna, it's gonna be fun. He's always into uh, his favorite sport is what he's. In right now, so it's basketball. But man, last night he got the taste of the baseball. Yeah. So it's about to be baseball. And there is something too. There's something about. Were you under the lights? Oh yes, we were. There's there's something about being out there in the grass, man, under the lights. I mean, even just going and watching a high school football game. Something about being out on a Friday night under the under lights. Under the lights. It's just it's magical. Ah, and he already knows the song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, so we're all set. Yes, we're ready. America. (laughs) America. All right. All right, folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Number one of the Triple Dipper, The Price of Border Chaos. We'll talk about it. Stay tuned. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, text lines are indeed open, 833-687-4448. What do I got here? I got several. Uh, Trying to look and see. Um, Bruce from Hazelgreen. He says, Mr. Biden is more concerned about taking away our Second Amendment rights than he is about the southern border. I don't disagree with that. Um, Chris from Madison. 
That's not including the cost for English as a second language, the cost for the education of illegal immigrants that are not paying taxes to help cover the cost of schools. That's a great point. You know, when I was a state senator, we were passing an illegal immigration bill here in Alabama, which became quite the thing, let me tell you. Um, when we were passing that, I actually took a tour of um, Marshall County. Is it Marshall? Yeah. Marshall and DeKalb County had some serious issues. Um, and it was not that they didn't want people coming there. It was just that they had an overwhelming surge of, uh, of illegals, and it was causing some chaos. And one of the school superintendents that I met with said, the interesting thing is, he said, I need, I need to hire um, two new teachers for this topic. I think they were STEM-related. But he said, but instead I had to spend the money hiring two interpreters uh, to work in the classrooms. He said, so that it, it diminishes the capacity to actually teach because they're having to first translate and then, you know, go from there. And then just, just on and on and on. Um, so good, good comments, uh, Chris from Madison. Bert from Owens Crossroads says, border crossers. He says, we flew border patrol, uh, uh, BORTAC units a lot, and there's nothing sadder than seeing a person who has died in the desert or swimming in the sand as they were hallucinating. And that's, that's, uh, that sounds like a firsthand experience. Uh, Bert, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to call in, you're welcome to it. 833-687-4448. Uh, Ike from Somerville um, uh, is just brand spanking new on it. Uh, we've got Ike. Ike, are you saying you're from Brindley Mountain as opposed to Somerville? we gotta, we got to change it. We'll do it. Uh, but anyway, we're glad you're in the, uh, the text string. And then Grandma Wanda, Grandma Wanda from Coleman texted in, says the comments show folks are being blessed in many parts of the world and, uh, and has a, a live YouTube she wanted me to go look at. So, Grandma, we'll check it out for you. Thanks so much for being in the audience. We appreciate you as always. Um, all right, let me jump back to my, 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 my stuff. Here's one of those very disturbing, um, I say very disturbing, only because of our, our relationship with China. It's not that any one ethnic group is, is you know, different, but, when, but their nationality, it can mean something. And here we are shooting down a Chinese surveillance balloon and possibly three others. We don't know where they were from, but we're, we're speculating China. We've got China is our near pair adversary on the world stage. We've got China that we believe is trying to undermine us in a variety of ways. Uh, and then China, which is threatening Taiwan. Fox News story dated February 9th. That's what, five days ago. Border patrol apprehensions of Chinese nationals at the southern border is up 800%. 800%. 800% increase. Now, what does that mean? They had one, now they have eight? No. Border Patrol apprehensions of Chinese nationals crossing into the U.S. illegally are currently up more than 800% compared to this time last year, just in one year. A senior Customs and Border Protection source said that apprehensions of nationals from China are up 800% as compared to where they were in fiscal year of January of last year in numbers that have not yet been officially released. According to CBP statistics, there have been 1,862 Border Patrol encounters with Chinese nationals between October when the fiscal year began and the end of December. That's compared to 229 in the same period the year prior. That's a significant jump. Why would that be? Why would you suddenly go from 229 to 1,862 Chinese nationals? There's a number for you to put in your pipe and smoke. And then how about this one? Story on hotair.com. Suddenly, Canada doesn't want to be a sanctuary. <laughs> Go figure. It's amazing to me how the liberals who have so long been just, you know, virtue signaling to the world, 
this is what we would do if we were in that position. We would take care of people. In fact, we will go ahead and declare ourselves to be a sanctuary for all those who come here illegally. And then what happens? Wait, we didn't mean it. Oh, my gosh. Um, the guy starts off, I will say it's, it's a slanted article. <laughs> I acknowledge that right off the bat. He starts off by saying, drinking the tears of the woke is delicious, especially when used as a dash of liquid in a fine glass of scotch whiskey. All right, there's the opening of the article. But he gets real. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has decided to ship illegal aliens to Canada. Woo! And it turns out that even Trudeau's Canada a country that virtue signals like a blue-haired Unitarian minister embracing a drag queen <laughs> has a limit to the number of... <laughs> a blue-haired blue Unitarian minister embracing a drag queen. There's an image for you. Has a limit to the number of illegal immigrants they will provide sanctuary to, and that limit ain't so high. It says the government of Canada's largest province is demanding that Mayor Eric Adams immediately stop helping migrants. Here's a quote from Quebec Premier Francois Legault. Any form of assistance to migrants crossing the border, which is strictly forbidden to do so, should stop immediately, he said. And he went on to say, we understand New York has problems, but we cannot have a humanitarian crisis on our hands. Well, I got news. You declare yourself a sanctuary, and then you're surprised when people want to come there for sanctuary. So, yeah. The numbers and the price of chaos... But here's the thing, the, the, the article that I found to be the most telling, the deep dive article, we're going to get to right after this break. I'll, I'll wrap the segment up with this. The headline from a New York Post article dated yesterday, how Mexico outfoxed Joe Biden on illegal immigration, knowing that he would never fight back. There's a freaking headline for you. How Mexico outfoxed Joe Biden on illegal immigration, knowing he'd never fight back. So you mean there's official action in Mexico? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. And it started the day Biden got elected. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios, hour number two, local, state, national, sometimes the international, man. We cover down on all the issues, and like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Um, well, I know we had a caller who called in right as we're going to break a minute ago. I think that was Bert. 
Uh, I'd love to hear from Bert because I think he's the one who who flew, flew the uh, CBP's BORTAC units, their, their SWAT teams, basically, along the southern border. So, yeah, Bert, you get a chance. Call back. Um, let, me, uh, let me just jump onto this extremely interesting article uh, from New York Post. Um, this thing really caught my attention. And I know the phones are ringing, so if it's, if it's him, I'll, I'll, I'll hang on to my article for a second. But, but you, you might want to know that the southern border is what it is, not just because of Biden's policies, but because of how Biden is perceived in other places. So let me, let me do this. I'm going to take a call real quick. I'm going to come back to that thought. What happens when other countries believe the Biden administration is going to do nothing in the face of, uh, you know, border crossings? Let me jump over the phones real quick, though. Line one, uh, Bert Owens Crossroads. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm good, sir. I'm good. Was that you that texted in earlier? It was. Well, well thank you for your service. So uh, tell me your experiences were what? You said you were an aviator flying uh, CBP units? Yeah, I was uh, with, with U.S. Customs, and we uh, supported the Border Patrol for years and years. And uh, probably stationed in Yuma, Arizona, we flew numerous search and rescue units with the Border Star units, which were the search and rescue units of the Border Patrol. And a uh, number of migrants that were uh, found dead in the desert was just astonishing to me, and that would have been in the late 2000 time frame. Wow. So even even before the chaos we're seeing now, it was already something that was disturbing to watch, huh? Oh, it's just unbelievable numbers that we we'd see, and uh, I can only imagine what they're seeing nowadays. So what back then, uh, Bert, when you're when you're finding bodies in the desert, was it uh, death by violent means or was it death by exposure to the elements? What was it? <clears throat> um, a lot of it was uh, death by uh, exposure, and there was was also quite a bit of by violent means, although I, I think the exposure probably outnumbered the violent means at that time. Wow. Wow. How many years were you flying those uh, those border routes? I, I was with them for 20 years. So you, you saw it happen. I mean, you saw multiple administrations, and, and was there any certain time when it was better versus worse that, that you can attribute to anything at all? Um, I, I can't say it was better at any one time. Um, you know, probably... Pre-Reagan, it was probably better, but that was before my time. You know, that was one of the big uh, immigration reform take, took place and kind of been steadily downhill ever since. Well, I mean, a lot of folks don't don't realize, too, those those men and women uh, wearing the green uniform of the Customs and Border Patrol, those are those are like our border troops, and they, they really, they actually go into harm's way quite often, don't they? Oh, they, they go into harm's way every time they put on the uniforms, every single day. Some of, the, some of the Border Patrol guys go out by themselves into areas where I wouldn't even want to think about going. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that impressed me, too, is almost every time I've seen somebody from CBP uh, doing anything, they're, they're also, most of them are bilingual. They're, they have, they have a, a dual language capability, English and Spanish at the very least. Yes, yeah, so I think all Border Patrolmen have to be bilingual. See, that's a step up, man. That's, I mean, law enforcement is 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 got my attention no matter where they are. But when you when you look at the things they have to do, the environment they work in down on the southern border, especially, and then the fact that they have to be bilingual, and then it's just it's just amazing the job that they do. Oh, my my hat is off to them every single day, no matter where they're stationed. You know, northern border, southern border, anywhere. Based on your experiences, uh, Bert, what what are your thoughts about what's happening down there right now? I mean, just just give us your perspective. What what would you imagine it's like, and what do you have any friends that are still down there, and what's the morale like? Do you know? 
Um, you know, I, I retired in 2011, and I can only imagine, you know, the morale is kind of in the gutter. And at one point, the uh, leadership at the Border Patrol was, don't shoot back, run away. I don't know if they've actually done away with that statement, but uh, you can only imagine what that would do to your morale. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the rules of engagement actually can be oppressive. I mean, I, I, I can tell you that from the military being downrange. As the ROE changes, it changes your perspective of what you were there for even. It, exactly. Well, uh, hey, Bert, we appreciate you calling in. Thanks for that perspective. And if you if you got anything else you want to chime in on, you text it or call it in, all right? We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for your service. All right, thank you. Well, that's cool. We got a cool audience, man. I'm just telling you. Um, Flying on the southern border for 20 years, um, and uh, wow, um, and they do. And I, I will say this: we talk about our law enforcement a lot. You know, I've said before on this show, we I, we we err on the side of law enforcement. I recognize there's problems at times in the ranks. I recognize that there's always going to be, you know, the one bad apple in the batch. But by and large, this show will always err on the side of the men and women who put on a uniform and a badge and go to hard places to do hard things. It can be in the smoothest you know, most well-run community, crime-free, uh, still patrolling at night, hoping things go well. And it can be places like on the southern border right now where they find bodies on a daily basis and they're overwhelmed uh, with the numbers. Um, here's the story that I'm going to cap all this off with. Headline from New York Post dated yesterday. How Mexico outfoxed Joe Biden on illegal immigration knowing that he would never fight back. Here's one of the prices of chaos. One of the prices of chaos is when you lose your standing on the world stage. You hear me? When you lose your standing on the world stage, when foreign nations no longer respect you because of things like what I'm about to show. It says here, immediately after Joe Biden's inauguration in 2021, immediately, the southern border exploded. Families began crossing en masse, and the Border Patrol released them to the nonprofits within bus them into cities around the country. The Mexican government, it says, was not happy with Trump because of Trump's Remain in Mexico policies. So facing threats of tariffs and that kind of thing from Trump, they had been forced, Mexico had, to take on the housing, the feeding, and the caring for migrants on their side of the border as opposed to letting them just pass right on through. But once Trump's policies took full effect, Mexico was quickly overwhelmed. They, they, they struggled on their own right, but they have a southern border of their own they could try to help close. 58 detention centers in Mexico were filled to capacity, it says. And then when those filled up, you began to have the, the, the homeless camps. And Mexico then began closely eyeing the 2020 election, looking for relief should Joe Biden win. Here's the thing. Here's the, here's the kicker. Because they knew who they were dealing with. It says immediately after the election, November 6th, 72 hours after Biden's election, the Mexican Congress secretively passed a new and unusual law that had been pre-written and was waiting for clearance. Within 72 hours of Biden being elected, they passed one, and here, here's a long name for it. It was called, quote, the various articles of the migration law and the law on refugees are reformed, complementary protection and political asylum in the matter of migrant children. All that basically means was they passed this thing 72 hours later. A couple of days after that, President Obrador signed it with no formal announcement, no press coverage. And what it boiled down to is this. Beginning at the time that Biden took office, the new law, prohibited Mexican federal detentions of migrant families. Meaning, if you were a family, you got a pass-through. Meaning, if you were at least seven months pregnant, 
you got to pass through along with whoever claimed to be the father. And it says Mexico began emptying out detention centers. Thousands of families with their young children could then travel freely anywhere they wanted to, which everyone knew meant the U.S. border. And it gave individual Mexican states the authority to take action, to then even refuse the Title 42 returns that at least Biden was still doing that. Well, if they, if they rejected the Title 42s, they had nowhere to go. And the state of uh, Tamaulipas, I believe it's called, the most heavily trafficked by migrants did just that. It refused to take Biden's expellees for Title 42 and said they had no shelter space. And they made that decision on Biden's inauguration day. So here's the kicker. The article says the collective effort of the law, a collective effect of the law, was that thousands of migrant families found out that they were not only freed from Mexican detention centers, but that when they crossed the U.S. border, then the Americans would have to keep them. And Mexican government officials wagered that President Biden would take all the families without resistance and threaten nothing like Trump's tariffs, and they were right. They passed the law within 72 hours of Biden being elected. It went into effect as Biden was inaugurated, and immediately an influx like we have never seen before began. Why? Because part of the price of being soft on your border policies is a lack of respect from the international community. It says, before the inauguration, Border Patrol might typically take three or four released immigrants a day to a local NGO uh, just, just across the border um, in uh, Arizona. But on the very first day after the inauguration, Border Patrol started dropping off 60 to 100. They went from three or four at this one center to 60 to 100 the day after Biden's inauguration. It says it became a new normal on an industrial scale. Families crossing the river, turning themselves to any federal agent they could find. Border Patrol apprehensions of family units, almost all of them in Texas, rocketed from 4,406 in December of 20 to 54,000 by the end of March 21. That's a 1,400% increase. The numbers were particularly stark for unaccompanied minors, it says. In fiscal year 2020, they numbered 33,000. That's a lot. But six times that many came up in 2021 of 146,000, and they're already estimated to be at 150,000 in recapping 2022. Folks, I'm just telling you, Mexico knew exactly what it was doing. Within 72 hours of a change in the administration, they passed a new law, which went into effect immediately upon the inauguration of President Biden. They staged it. They knew who they were dealing with. And it literally has just, just flooded our borders. Part of the price of chaos at the southern border is a lack of respect on the international stage. Mexico knew exactly what it was doing. And I'm telling you right now, the price of the border chaos in the human factor, the economic factor, the, the social factor, and the standing on the world stage, we're, we're going to be finding second and third order effects of this for years to come. And we've got to see a change. All right, enough of that. Take me to a break, Boomer. We'll take that break right now. We'll come back. I'm switching gears. Number two on the Triple Dipper, killing the burbs. Why do Democrats hate the suburbs? That's... It's an unusual circumstance. We'll talk about it. Be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative and just plain right. Making it cool to be a conservative. I got a caller on line one. I'll go ahead and grab that real quick. Uh, Cheryl from Harvest. Cheryl, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. Uh, I was just making note that every time I go to Walmart, we must have had a whole boatload of illegal immigrants come (laughs) over in the last two or three weeks because I feel like I'm in the minority now, and they they go through there, and the, the shelves are just bare. They're, they're coming with just absolutely overflowing cards. Are they getting a boatload of money when they come into the United States? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, Cheryl, are you saying that you believe you're actually shopping in and amongst a, a whole parcel of uh, illegal immigrants, or what are you saying? Yes. Well, I don't, I don't have an answer for you there. I mean, let's be careful. We don't just say because they speak a different language, they have to be here illegally. They might not be. Um, but, uh, what? Well, in Athens, you know, I've here, lived here long enough that we don't have enough of, of those, um, persuasion. I, I don't know what the politically correct term is, I, but I, I mean, this is a different life, you know, style of, of people that you see in there. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you, Cheryl, uh, but, uh, I mean, it's 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 possible that there are certainly illegal immigrants. We know they've even been busing them here from the Biden administration's policies up on, down on the border. But I don't know who's shopping at your Walmart, let's put it that way. But, you know, all said and done, there's some amazing people here that are, are here legally that, um, that, you know, came from foreign countries. It's, it's the vast majority right. of them that come in illegally that we should be concerned about. Well, like I said, just the difference in in people that I see up there and that I've never seen before All right. of, of, in the last two weeks. And I was wondering if, you know, like in New York, if there's any plans to by the mayors or anyone to rehouse them. Well, the the mayor of New York City is shipping them to Canada. They don't like that at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, Cheryl, thanks for the call. Uh, Get get Uh to Walmart, watch for the truck to arrive and restock the shelves and get there when you can. All right. Uh Bye-bye. All right. See you. Um, Yeah, I I, I got nothing. Got nothing on that one. I got nothing on that one. I don't know where to go on that one. But, uh, but, you know, that's just... uh, and, and by the way, the, the shelves being empty is a classic sample or example of what's happening with our supply chain in general. I mean, it's just irritating the stew out of me to go to the store and find things that are common that we've always been able to get that are not available. Why, why was there a run on baby formula? Did anybody ever figure that out, Boomer? No. I mean, you guys. I mean, uh, we have a baby. Little bitty, I, little bitty, is she still on formula? No, no, she's not on any. Oh, praise God, you got past that one. Got past that one, but, you know, still on the diapers. Diapers. So. <laughs> Diapers, there's a run on diapers for a while, too. Yeah. And then, by the way, I never figured out the pandemic run on toilet paper. Did you? That yeah. got weird. Like, it was a little weird. Like, you could almost run a black market of toilet paper. <laughs> like, like squares of toilet paper replaced currency. People stored, you know, uh, tons you of toilet paper in, like, self-storage places. Like, hey, hey, uh, man, I got some toilet paper. Yeah, you want, hey, buddy, you want some toilet paper? I got it. I got a little something for you. In the trunk <laughs> of my car. It's over here. I got three bootlegs that I stole from the office <laughs> right here. How about this? I'll trade you six squares of two-ply for a maple bacon donut. 
that may have went down. That I feel certain there were some shady, <laughs> feels, shady deals taking place in back alleys with people trading toilet paper for basic necessities of life. Wow, yeah. Don't you just during know that it. time you're like, oh come on, yeah, come on, <laughs> hey buddy, come here, I got something for you. Hey buddy, come over hey, here, buddy. come over here. I got some two ply. I got some two ply. Two ply. Yeah. None of, none of that none of that stuff in the government offices, man. I got I got the I got the two ply. Oh my gosh, I could laugh about this for hours. All right, um, when we get back. We're gonna we we ran that one all the way to the break on those. But when we get yeah. back, we're gonna switch gears. Killing the burbs. What is the deal with Democrats having a beef with the suburbs? Well, I'll tell you what it's about. Racism. It's all about racism. If you have a grassy front yard. And oh Lord God, if you got a grassy backyard, you may well be a racist, at least according to the terminology and the theology of uh, killing the burbs. We're, and, and by the way, this is actual, this is law, this is regulatory burden. Did you know that your community may well have to submit to the Biden administration a equity plan, along with certain numbers of, you know, town hall meetings? And the opportunity to correct your plan should it be found deficient by central government. And, oh, by the way, you may lose your federal funding if and you don't have a good equity plan. So, yeah, that, uh, that neighbor lot that someone's thinking about building on, it may wind up being an apartment building in your suburb just to, you know, meet the equity plan. Good God. I kid you not. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just Plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Text lines are open. You want to text or call in. The number is 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. I got to tell you, too, uh, our website is has got some just all kinds of stuff on it. So our website, if you ever want to see it, is rightsideradio.org.org. So www.rightsideradio.org. The live stream of the show is on there. You can see the interior of the, uh, of the uh, Right Side Studios as we're talking. Uh, we've got uh, our, our, our live audio feed is also available if all you want is the audio. You've also got the podcasts are linked to the, uh, to the website. And um, you've got the photo gallery. You've got other videos. You've got podcasts. You've got articles that are written pretty much every Monday. Uh, a new piece comes out uh, that I've written that is getting published in multiple newspapers and outlets around the state. Uh, that's all on there. 
I will also point out, too, that if you want to advertise on Right Side Radio, we are a separate business. We're actually a 501c3. Right Side Radio is a standalone entity, all right? And so if you want to advertise on this show, you got to contact us because we sell our own inventory and we have the most amazing ad salesperson who will be in touch with you uh, immediately. You can contact us through the website. It has an advertising contact tab on there and just say, hey, listen, I want to advertise my business on the most amazing show in in Alabama's, the only syndicated radio show in Alabama. Um, So yeah, contact us through the website. We'll hook you up. Uh, Courtney will give you a call and uh, and you will be uh, off and running. Uh, and joining the right side team. Um, I got a bunch of texts came in. Uh, Andy from ARAB. I'm Andy from ARAB. He's our paratrooper buddy. He says, uh, we had a company formation. First sergeant said we were using too much toilet paper. <laughs> Afterwards, our platoon sergeant said, you hear him? One toilet paper square for business, five squares to wipe your hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love military humor, man. Uh, but we also had, a, uh, we had another... Um, Where's that one that just came in a minute ago? Scott from Russellville just texted in. He said, the Arsenal, at a Redstone Arsenal, the bathroom is used that old single-ply sandpaper. Yes, the kind that nobody wanted to steal. <laughs> just, just saying. Um, anyway, we, we, got a, we got a bunch of folks uh, that are texting in. You're welcome to text in. Join the fun, 833-687-4448. So, Boomer, you were a realtor in one of your many lives. Yes, I was. Uh, in fact... I, I am a bit older than you, but I fear you've almost lived as many lives as I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten to do a lot of stuff. You have done a lot of stuff, dude. I mean, if you all don't know, Boomer was in the music industry in Nashville for a while, was a realtor, owned a business, um, Did a played coach. college sports, coached. Dang, dude. It. And then, yeah, and, travel, and traveled all over the world missions. And you did. That's yep. right. Did um, that and was gone for a couple years, like, like long-term mission stuff. And so. then, and then I, I guess the mission work, you could almost say your, your tours with uh, country music were almost like mission work, too, at times. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Major name stars. Uh, I, I guess we can name them on the air, can we? we oh, do. yeah. I mean, you know, some small, small fries like uh, Kenny Chesney. So you were his tour manager for Kenny, Kenny I, Chesney. I was his uh, stadium manager, coordinator manager. That's that's just crazy. So it was kind of, it was a lot of fun. It's kind of like managing our stadium here at Right Side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just as many lights, cameras, and buttons to push, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. You it also, is. you also manage the uh, Country Music Awards. Uh, country Music Awards, CMA, CMTs, ACMs. Uh, I was, I was on a lot of different PDQs, uh, shows. The, you know, all the SATs, ACTs, all. Yeah. Of them. So I got to do, I got to do a lot of things. <laughs> kind of fun. That is pretty fun. All dabble, right. I dabbled. All right, put on your realtor hat for a minute. <laughs> all right, realtor hat. Realtor hat. Uh, you, you having been a realtor, you had to get your realtor license. Yes, I did. Were y'all taught anything about discrimination in the sale and or listings of real estate? Oh, yes. Uh, like probably a quarter to a half of the, the information that we had to intake for, you know, to pass our course was on discrimination. Really? There was a lot. Uh, a lot of federal and state law, I imagine, right? A lot of, yes, federal and state. Um, so, I mean, right now, what I've, what I've got here is a series we're about to go into in a few minutes on number two of the Triple Dipper here, Killing the Burbs. Mm-hmm. Democrats, now Charlene points out, uh, she texted me a minute ago, it's about them having control. Racism is only their, their front excuse. But, but they, they claim that, that racism is at the heart of suburbia. Hmm. But yet, 
you can't sell people property that other people are not also allowed to buy just because of their skin color, right? Correct. Yeah, there's no in in the real estate industry, there's there should be no I'm just, what's the word? Discrimination. Uh, yeah, absolutely. None of it. Like you can't for spiritual, um ethnicity, um for any type of reason. Gender. Gender. Okay. So basically, if someone wants to live in a suburb and there's a house for sale, you are not allowed to discriminate as to who's allowed to come and see that house and put an offer down. Correct. All right. Now, there may be some inability of somebody to afford it, or it may not be what they're looking for, but you can't say, well, the neighbors have talked, and the Homeowner Association doesn't want your kind here. Correct. All right. Yeah, we can't do that. Can't. Uh, or if you already know of a... Uh, if you are a realtor of a subdivision or any of that, and you know, um, oh, this is a great, you can't even say like, oh, this is, there's so many kids here and think, you know. Really? Yeah. You got to be really careful on those things. So if you have an exclusive listing for a development, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you can't, you can't sort of make it so exclusive that no one else can get in there is what you're saying. Right. I mean, I guess there's, now I'm not sure the development laws of, you know, the senior citizens, you know, all that stuff. Right. But on, on the other hand, no, we're not allowed to do that. Okay. Or we should not do that where you could lose your license. Yeah, and so were there any reporting requirements? Like if somebody if somebody came to you and said, hey, listen, I want you to list my house, but I talked to all the neighbors. Whatever you do, don't list it to someone of this skin color. Oh, yeah, you can't do that. Oh, well, I know you can't do oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I oh, it. no, can't do that. Yeah, that's bad. I'm like, walk away. Yeah, any, I mean, they could report you for that. What about you reporting them? Oh, we yes. I mean, you could do that just in case they have done that to other agents. So if if you, I, I, I feel like I'm grilling you here. I'm really not trying to. I'm, <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> Get you a donut. All right. So um, if if you're if you're finding out that let's let's say you're the uh, selling agent, not the listing agent. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're the selling agent. You want to bring somebody to see a house. The listing agent tells you um, that you can't bring clients here who are of a certain skin color. Um, you have a duty at that point, I would suspect, as a realtor to say, that's not the way we're going to do business around here, and, and you can report that if you wanted to. Correct. All right. Yes, listen, very much. Uh, you, you confirmed all the things that I already knew, but you said them out loud as someone who's experienced in the field, so thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Here's the thing, y'all. Killing the burbs. Story, I mean, I got story after story here. I, I, this, this has become a real thing. Because anybody who dares to say that they want to live in the suburbs, Democrats view that as potentially racist. Why? I mean, first of all, racism is the greatest excuse that the Democrat Party has for virtually anything. What it basically boils down to, and Charlene said a moment ago, is is control. It's their opportunity for control. They want to control the slate. They want. By the way, go take a look at where Barack Obama lives. Pretty sure his exclusive resorts or resort-type houses in Martha's Vineyard and uh, in Hawaii, I- I'm pretty sure he's living the suburban American dream, all right? But yet this started during the Obama administration with laws being put in place, regulatory burdens being enhanced to, to make it a matter of, here's the word, you ready for it? Equity. Living in suburbia is a question of Equity. It does not matter whether your neighborhood already has people of a variety of ethnicities. It doesn't matter. Suburbia is automatically suspect in the minds of Democrats because 
They believe that racism is the boogeyman behind every bush. Not the least of which is when you see a community that says we've had enough of this and we want something better for our kids. And so we're going to talk about that in a minute, about the, 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 the community of Buckhead in Atlanta. Because I've got two different articles here, one from CBS, one from CNN. One of them actually declares that this is a racist issue for Buckhead to dare to want to pull out of Atlanta. The other one at least gives Buckhead a voice and says, no, it's because your defund the police efforts and your, and your willingness to, uh, uh, to um, allow crime to run rampant it makes us want to separate ourselves. So one argument is it's quality of life. We want something for our kids. We want a grassy yard to run in. We want streets that are calm. We want lower crime. We want better schools. And the other says, no, if you want those things, you're automatically suspect. You're racist. I got a caller on line one. I'll take that before we go to the break. So let me do that real quick. Amy from Woodville. Amy, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind? Um, I was just touching on the subject you were talking about and the people in the suburbs. And I know that somebody had just texted earlier about the government wanting control. And I really think that that is a big part of it. I think that they want everybody in the cities. That way they have more control of everyone. They don't want people in suburbs. They, they hate people in rural, rural areas because they don't have as much control over people that way. Yeah, there's a lot more. I do. And by the way, I have to because that texture was my wife. So I have to agree with that one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm but, glad we agree on it. Yeah. Well, no, Amy, you're you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, 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 you tell me. I mean, I, I, I believe that's the case. I think they do want control. I think they, they, they love the idea of condensed areas of urban environments. But what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Are you are you a, yeah. sub, a suburbanite or are you a, a inner city dweller? I'm in the. I am a rural right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Say that. You you can. I live out in the country. You you, you got God. some some room to breathe, move and some air to breathe, right? Yeah, seven acres and I'm, I can't see a neighbor. So. Oh well, listen, I I, I think you're spot on. I think it's a it's a question of control, uh, and I'm glad that you and my wife agree. Yes, thank you. Okay. All right, Amy. Thanks so very much. Um, all right, listen, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come right back. I'm going to start off with the city of Buckhead, but then I got to get into the weeds on this because I got to tell you where this came from. Like, is there actual regulation? Yeah. How about it just got passed and put in the Federal Register in the last few days that you have to submit an equity plan for your community now? Communities all over the U.S. For the love. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with Killing the Burbs. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Boomer and I are sitting here scheming on how we can just be kept men. Yeah. Just, 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 yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> how can we scheme a way for our wives to make so much money that we just become kept men? I like okay. it. Yeah, I can tell you do. <laughs> it's settling but in on you. But let's be honest. I, I would be completely bored 
if I was not here. Oh, no, working. no. Don't, don't mistake me by saying that means you have to sit at the house and do nothing. Oh, no, I, I would. do whatever you just want to do. whatever, whatever we want. <laughs> what if we sit around going, wait, you want to do a show today? Yeah, why not? That's let's what let's yeah. go shoot guns. Let's go shoot some guns. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll do a show while shooting guns. Oh. Ooh. And driving fast cars. Oh. And eating maple bacon donuts. Man. Sucking down coffee through an IV. What do you think? Just, Man, just, I could see you doing um doing one of your dippers while doing donuts in a new Thunder. Uh, Thunderfoot. Thunderfoot. Yeah, I was going to say Thunderbird. Thunderfoot 2. Thunderfoot, <laughs> Thunderfoot Jr. 2. That's right. Yes, oh. I've, I've already got Thunderfoot Jr. picked out, by the way. Oh. Yeah, 1970 Mustang Mach 1 351 Cleveland Hearst top loader four speed transmission with a Hearst T handle shifter. Color? Grabber blue. <laughs> Magnum 500 wheels. <laughs> Love it. Just saying. Look, it looked good on me. How do we do that? How do we get on that? <laughs> That's not a dipper. No. Would it you, was all because what we were just please, chatting about in between. The, for the love, would you just stop know, distracting just, me? I'm just a distraction. There's just so much manliness going on in this room right now. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, um, listen. Let's 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 close up the hour here talking about the first part of this this dipper on killing the burbs. So if you have not heard, uh, the community of Buckhead, which is technically part of Atlanta, not technically it is, it's part of Atlanta. It's part of Atlanta proper. It's a suburban, more suburbanite uh, portion of Metro Atlanta. All right, there's a way to put it. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful area if you've been there. Um, so I got two articles here. Let's talk about the first one I've got from CNN.com, dated September of 2021. And the other one I've got from CBS, dated last week. So the first one from 2021 is, is the most awful article. Anyway, CNN.com says back then, Buckhead wants to cut itself out of the black Mecca. See what they did? It's, why would they do that? The first thing out the gate, they label it as a race-based issue. And, oh, by the way, they went ahead and labeled Atlanta as the Black Mecca. Okay, um, I'm pretty sure you started this off wrong. It says racial demographic, demographics complicate the data. No, they don't. Unless you want it to be race-based, then it is. Well-to-do Buckhead is a majority white neighborhood. Atlanta is majority black. Some of their, Well, first of all, you just said... That Muckhead is a majority white neighborhood. Atlanta is majority black. Are you taking into account that, that Buckhead is part of Atlanta? Anyway, some observers, it says, worry that the cityhood for Buckhead could be devastating, removing access to revenue from a critical tax base and even deepening racial tensions. No, it's not. Because I guarantee you, the black families that live in Buckhead, they want a better community, too. Anyway, it says Buckhead shines a light on the broader racial realities in the United States. No, it really doesn't, unless you're writing a very slanted article that tries to do things like, I don't know, take Shelley Cashin, the Georgetown University law professor, who wrote what the article calls an essential new book. Hint, hint, stomp your foot, hint, hint, wink, wink. An essential new book called White Space, Black Hood, Opportunity Hoarding and Segregation in the Age of Inequality. Anyway, they go on to make this all about race that there's no other reason why anyone would want a suburbanite community to separate from the major urban center that it's attached to unless it was race-based. They call it opportunity hoarding or over-investing in some communities while disinvesting elsewhere. This author of the essential book on white space black hood says that literally gold standard neighborhoods, neighborhoods that have tremendous opportunities that are frequently subsidized by everyone else. They get the best of everything. They get the best grocery stores, the best infrastructure. 
In fact, it says schools are one of the best indicators of racial segregation. So I'm going to be honest. I am not so blind that I don't recognize that there are some communities that are predominantly one ethnicity over another. That does not mean that everything has to center around that racial issue. The truth of the matter is this. Buckhead is tired of being attached to a community that does not take their safety and well-being into account the way they believe they could on their own. So the next article that came out last week about Buckhead says a new push to turn Buckhead into its own city, CBS News, says Georgia state lawmakers, that's the legislature, have actually introduced Senate Bill 114, making the latest move to turn Atlanta's Buckhead community into a city. It follows a similar attempt that failed in 2022. Those in support of Buckhead seceding from the city of Atlanta argue that an uptick in crime, increased taxes, and a decline in city services are the driving forces. Well, hang on a second. Are we sure it's not, what do they call it, opportunistic disinvestment? Yeah, Uh, opportunity hoarding. Are we sure it's not racism? Because certainly racism must be. If there's an uptick in crime and you point it out, that's racist. If there's an increase in taxes and you dare to say, I don't want to pay them, that's racist. If there's a decline in city services, like your trash didn't get picked up on time or the, 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 the sewers are overflowing or, or for some reason the, 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 you know, the, the stormwater runoff is, is not being maintained. Racist. Well, not so much. Now, not everybody in Buckhead wants to separate. No, they don't. And they all recognize that the mayor of Atlanta has been doing something for crime because the, the, the cr- criminal activity in Buckhead has actually decreased in the last year. That's good. I like it. It does not mean that racism is at the center of everything. But, but, control is, control certainly is. And so when we get back, I'm going to tell you about this new fair housing rules that the Biden administration just whipped into shape for us that'll literally make your community have to turn in an equity plan. Yeah, and then make sure that, you know, multifamily housing is built next door to your suburbanite house. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios for hour number three, local, state, national. Man, we cover down on all the issues, and like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. I told you at the beginning of the show, by the way, there were several aspects of breaking news, uh, one of which is uh, 
I don't have any more details really yet about the Michigan State shooting, but on Michigan State's campus, apparently three students are dead, five critically wounded uh, in a mass shooting there. Uh, of course, President Biden immediately called for gun control, um, but um, uh, he can't say a thing about Chinese balloons, but he can, he can call for gun control at the drop of a hat. But anyway, we have a tragedy unfolding in East Lansing, Michigan, uh, where um, Michigan State University is located. In, uh, and I hope those five kids, or five, I don't know if they're kids, anyway, five wounded, um, it says critical. We'll find out to what extent soon. Uh, also, I'd mentioned earlier in the show that one of the other pieces of breaking news was that Senator Dianne Feinstein, 89, soon to be 90 years old, uh, the oldest serving member of the U.S. Senate, uh, has just announced her intent to not run for re-election. Her retirement from public office would uh, take place next year at the end of her term. Except that a story just came out, just, just literally saw it like in the last 20 minutes it just came out. Senator Dianne Feinstein appears to be unaware of her own retirement announcement, it says. <laughs> That's just kind of sad, actually. It says Democratic California Senator Dianne Feinstein appeared unaware of her own retirement announcement Tuesday, telling a group of reporters of the Capitol that she had not yet made a decision about her future, despite the fact that her office announced that she would not be seeking reelection in 2024 just hours before. What do you do with that? I mean, that's one of those things where, wow. is it funny the, or do you, do you feel bad for her, or both? Maybe both. I think it's a little both. Yeah, it says, according to multiple reports, a Feinstein staffer quickly notified the senator that a statement had already been made in her retirement, prompting her to say that she was unaware the information had been released. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in charge around here? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, we've got plenty of people on the text line. Folks, you want to join in, we'll be glad to have you. Got a brand new texter, James from ARAB. Thank you for joining the uh, text string. Glad to have you on board. Uh, Paul from Athens let me know that he thinks he could have taken on Thunderfoot. Oh. Maybe, maybe. He had me He had me on displacement. He says, uh, so I had, a, I had a board out 289, so it was running close to a 302. He says, my first was a 77 Oldsmobile Omega with a 354 barrel hooker headers and straight pipes, and he raced it at Laster Mountain. Um, yeah, and then he oh, then he upgraded, got a '69 GTO Judge. All right, Ooh. respect, Ooh. respect. You just you just labeled one of my favorite all time muscle cars. The '69 GTO Judge was just oh, epic, cool. Um, uh, where are we here? Uh, Brian from uh, Lynn, Alabama. I'm reading it for the first time. He says one thing that's overlooked from this conversation about killing the burbs is that many people of an ethnic group sometimes choose to live in an area that's predominantly matches their own ethnicity. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here slightly. He says that, of course, is not true for any ethnic group completely, but oftentimes it is the case. Well, that's why you see places like Chinatown in San Francisco or, or whatever else. Yes, you're, you're right. That does happen. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting piece is, um, like Boomer said, uh, there is no, no uh, ability under the law to discriminate in the sale or even the offering of sale or the receiving of offers to buy real estate in the United States based upon ethnic grounds. You can't do it. Can't. Uh, I saw here, where did it go? Um, Sam from Priceful says the only color that realtors care about is green. <laughs> and and that, is that true? I, I know a lot of realtors like that, but not all of them. <laughs> that ain't the green of the grass in the front yard either, is it? No, not no. the green of the grass we yard. We ain't talking about the sod. We're talking about the, 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 the folded money. <laughs> um, realtors, realtors work hard, by the way. I, I've, I've got, we do a lot of real estate work at my law firm, and I'll just be honest with you. Realtors, realtors work hard. They do. My wife was one for a very long time. She was a good one, too, by she the way. She was a great one. Yeah. 
I, I, I just kind of just let her do it. I was just the background person some of the times. You just, you just, I just said, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, you go see my wife. She knows exactly what you need. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. Uh, all right. Hey, listen, um, let me jump back into the triple dipper here. Um, uh, so, so, so looking at the, the, the whole killing the burbs thing, it's an article here that came out in 2021 from Bloomberg. And then I'll jump over to Breitbart that came out yesterday. 2021, Bloomberg says Trump scrapped two fair housing, housing rules. Biden's bringing them back. Whoop I guess Biden was, he was the man. April of 2021, late in his campaign for re-election, former President Donald Trump warned that Democrats would seek to abolish the suburbs if they returned to power. As part of that attempted appeal to suburban voters, Trump gutted two federal rules that barred us. By the way, let me just point out Trump was right. Let's 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 be honest. He was right. I mean, that's why I'm here in 2023 doing a section called Killing the Burbs. So if Donald Trump said in 2020 that the Democrats want to abolish the suburbs, and then as soon as Biden got elected, he did away with Trump's effort to try and dissuade that from happening by making it happen, guess what? That means Trump was right. It says a week after taking office. President Joe Biden pledged to eliminate barriers at the federal level to equitable housing. What the frick does that even mean? Ordering his housing secretary to review those decisions. Now the Biden administration is making good on this promise by restoring the rules that have been scrapped by Trump. Oh, God. So, so basically it points out that when Ben Carson was the secretary of housing and urban development, Ben Carson under, under the Trump administration, he repealed an Obama-era rule. In July of 2020, in the latter days of the Trump administration, and 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 the, what the rule had done before was it required compliance, not just compliance with fair housing law that preexisted, it required new regulatory burdens be followed that would have made it almost impossible for local communities to receive federal funding if they didn't like jump on board with the whole equitable housing thing. Well, so what you're saying here is Trump was right. Fast forward, February 13th, 2023. That would be yesterday. Article on Breitbart. It says, in the name of, quote, equity, the Biden administration and state Democrats have now declared war on the suburbs. You see where we're going here? The Biden administration and Democrats in New York, Connecticut, and other states are fighting local zoning laws in order to build high-rise apartment buildings with, quote, affordable units among the tree-lined single-family neighborhoods, all in the name of equity meaning that everyone can live in a tranquil suburb whether they've earned the ability to live there or not. The Biden administration announced on January 19th of this year that it will require all towns across the U.S. to submit their, quote, equity plans, showing how they'll make it possible for low-income housing to be built in otherwise suburban locations. Towns that don't meet the cookie-cutter requirements for economic diversity could very well lose federal funding. Good God. I mean, what, why? What's the point of this? I mean, you, you look at it and think, is it just that you just don't want anybody to be happy? Is that what's going on here? You just don't want anybody to say, I have lived the dream. I, I've worked hard and I bought a house with, you know, a, a, you know, a couple of acres that I mow on Saturday and I get to trim my own lawn. And, you know, I, I just, I get out there and I fuss with the bushes and, and I, and I just, you know, and I, and I play catch in the backyard with my kids and, or the grandkids and, you know, the dog has a place to run. 
you know, I've got to poop or scoop the yard once in a while, but it's still good. The dog has a place to run. And then, wait, what's that? They're clearing the ground across the street. What are they building? An apartment complex next to my house? That's not what I signed up for. Oh, look, my property values are going down. Oh, hey, the noises went up. Oh, goodness, all of a sudden the traffic in my neighborhood went up because it went from being single-family housing to multifamily housing. Everything changed. How did this happen? Because I had to have an equity plan. It says the left seething hatred of the suburbs is readily apparent in popular culture. You can see movies about it, how tree-lined neighborhoods are just hotbeds of racism. He lists several movies. I won't go into them. So why does the left hate the suburbs, the author asks. For starters, he says, we tend to vote Republican. Worse still, we're truly happy out here. He says, a suburban way of life proves people live fuller lives if they're unbothered by central authority and control. And we prove that government causes way more problems than it solves, and nothing makes the left angrier than happy, contented people they can't control. There's my wife kicking in right there. Charlene was right. Control. The article goes on to say that once Democrats strip the suburbs of what makes them special, which is zoning laws that protect property values and avoid density, that's the end of things. Well, so where are they doing this? Where, where's it? Well, first of all, the rule is now in the Federal Register. That, it, it, got, it got put in the Federal Register last week. The Federal Register is the, um, it's the digest that publishes executive actions by the federal government, things that are now having not necessarily the force of law, but at least the force of regulation. And so the Biden administration has now put it in the Federal Register that what we're going to require is these equity plans. Let me break it down a little further. Article also yesterday from Fox News. Next on the Dems hit list, the suburbs. If you've worked hard to afford a suburban house with a patch of lawn where your kids can play, you are now under attack, it says. The Biden administration announced on January 19th it will require all towns across the U.S. to submit their equity plans on how they will make it possible for low-income people to live in whatever neighborhood by means of providing affordable housing, transportation, other resources. Here's where one of the things that's taken place, New York Governor Kathy Hochul. Oh boy, she's a piece of work. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is pushing for some reasonable things like allowing people to have mother-in-law apartments and you know relaxing environmental restrictions, but... She's also got their biggest proposal, which is called a housing compact that basically compels towns and villages in New York metro area to increase their housing stock. What does that mean? I'm picturing Soviet-style apartment buildings. If a town fails to meet state targets, centralized control, state targets, then the compact would allow developers to then build in defiance of local zoning boards. In other words, if you don't want it, local community, if you don't want to break up your beautiful suburbanite surroundings, if you don't want to you know, destroy the tree-lined streets, if you don't want to increase the traffic and perhaps the crime, if you don't want to create the noise that you would have had in the city that you tried to get away from out in the suburbs, if you don't want it, we're going to make you have it anyway. And we're going to authorize developers to go in and buy property and build whatever they want just because you said no. This is, this is an attack, y'all. Says so suburban homeowners are battling an alliance now of real estate developers and social justice warriors that are determined to end single-family housing. And opponents of single-family zoning are also playing the race card. Like, you know, a group that calls itself Erase Racism says this is about the freedom from structural racism and de facto segregation. Yeah, I'm telling you, it goes back to racism every time. All that is is a cover for the control. 
Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll go and take that break and come right back and wrap this segment up and then see what we can do about number three of the Triple Dipper, being told what to think. That was interesting. These are, these are some deep dive dippers today, man. I'm just telling you. It's a good thing I have my coffee. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right all right we're, we're, we're bringing a, a, a dipper number two to a conclusion here killing the burbs um so here's what it boils down to y'all democrats liberal progressives they hate the idea of someone having autonomy they hate the idea of someone not living where they have the most say so which happens to be more often than not the heavily urbanized uh, portions of America. If you look at some of the stats right now, of the 10 biggest cities in the United States, Democrats run nine of them. Of the 50 biggest cities, they control two-thirds. And a lot of them are on the verge of collapse. I mean, you can just look at some of the heavily urbanized areas and think about who's in charge. Mayor Eric Adams, New York City. Um, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. You, you've got what's going on in San Francisco. You got what's going on in Baltimore. You got the, Birmingham is is one of the um, is is probably those urbanized area of uh, uh, of Alabama, and it's it's run by liberal progressives, and it has one of the highest murder per capita rates in the entire United States. So then you look at the suburbs, and oh, it's racism. Oh, they oh they want to go live somewhere where people don't look like anything but them. No, that's not true at all. If there's the one-off person who's a racist, that does not mean the neighborhood is systemically racist. What it does mean is people begin to leave the, the urban centers for the opportunity to breathe fresher air, have quieter streets, have a place for their kids to play where you can walk the dog without concern where you don't hear. And, and by the way, I've lived in heavily urban area. When I was in D.C. working at the Pentagon, uh, lived in Old Town, Alexandria, it was kind of cool. I loved some of the, uh, the, the aspects of, you know, true urban living with, you know, uh, riding the metro to work every day, um, a different restaurant to eat at every night. But you know what? In general, I love the idea of putting my feet in the grass. And Democrats hate that. And the laws of this nation already prevent the idea that you can, you can stop someone from buying property or selling property, listing property or showing property. You, you, you can't do that on race alone, period. Just can't. And so now, though, the Biden administration, ever looking for the opportunity to find a problem to meet its solutions, has decided that communities across the U.S. are going to have to have an equity rule. I will tell you there was one in Westchester, New York. Westchester, New York resisted the Obama administration's efforts to do this. Because remember, Obama put the, the rule in place first. Trump repealed it. 
Biden has now put it back in. The Obama administration at one point singled out Westchester, New York. They singled them out because they had what they referred to as standard zoning. Standard zoning means county regulations that restricted the heights of buildings and limited where you could put sewers and protecting drinking water and all that kind of stuff. Those were restrictive practices. And restrictive practices is often known uh, as a, uh, a term used in civil rights law for racism. Well, because they were racist, the Obama administration withheld more than $20 million in federal funds from Westchester County. This is not a threat. There's history on this. They held, withheld $20 million in federal funds from Westchester County. Never mind the fact that, you know, there were other non-racists who lived there, apparently, like, you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton. But nonetheless, Westchester County fought back. Good for them. And they eventually won. But it took eight years in court. Eight years. And it points out that most jurisdictions are not near as wealthy as Westchester County and have the ability then to resist the federal government's efforts. Under pressure from federal ideologues, communities in Oregon and Minneapolis, for example, have already abolished single-family zoning in recent years. Abolishing single-family zoning means abolishing houses. What you're saying then there is everything has to be duplexes or apartment buildings. Why? Why would you do that? Well, the goal is not to eliminate racism. The goal is to eliminate the suburbs. The goal is to not improve the lives of people who live in crappy places. The goal is to destroy the lives of people who live in nice places because of control. And this is happening right now with phrases like housing justice and, you know, furthering the elimination of racial discrimination in housing. I got news. We want to mow our grass in peace. If we want to live in the city, we will. If y'all want to come live in the burbs, come on. Single family housing is not evil. And folks, I'm telling you, Democrats and the new rule put in place by the Biden administration, they are working to kill the burbs. Y'all keep your eyes on it. We'll switch gears. We get back being told what to think. I got some new stuff on Triple Dipper number three. We'll be right back. Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Hey, folks, before I go any further, I got to tell you, it's go-home time. Some of y'all are thinking, all right, tomorrow morning I'm on the way in, and I'll be getting the usual biscuit in the drive-thru. No, don't do it. Listen, it's the morning after Valentine's. Give yourself a treat. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, out towards City Hall, and the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Just think about this. In the morning, you, said you leave the house, you're rushing out the door, give yourself two extra minutes and go by Just Love Coffee Cafe. And aside from the usual like harsh black coffee from the break room at work with the cold biscuit that's still in the bag that you got on the drive-thru on the way in, no, 
Stop at Just Love Coffee Cafe. Get yourself one of the treat coffees that Charlene calls. I mean, they got the great dry roast black coffees, light, medium, dark roast, grind the beans fresh. But they've got those treat coffees, the cappuccinos, the espressos, the lattes, all of them. And then they've got a breakfast menu that'll knock your socks off. Everything from a womlet, which is a giant omelet stuffed with everything, including tater tots. They cook it in a waffle iron, hence the womlet. And then they've got waffles. They've got eggs. They've got, they got all of it. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Catch it on the way in in the morning. Take a break during the day. Have lunch there. But I'm just telling you, it's more than just coffee. Great coffee, but great food. Phil Williams says go there. Check it out. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Hey, Boom Shakalaka, got a question for you. Yeah, sure. All right. You're, you're, you, you like Marvel movies? Oh, I do. Uh, those are those are the best, in my opinion. Yes. I love the Marvel movies, Captain America movies. Uh, oh, man. All good. Um, so do you remember the one uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, the, the, the first time we really saw Bucky with the... With the, with the arm. Crazy cool arm. Yeah. Could, could could I mean, how's that arm work? I don't get it. But anyway, nonetheless, it was cool. It's cool. <laughs> you remember the thing at the end of the movie, though, the, the, the subplot was Hydra had developed an algorithm. Right, the algorithm that opened that big, uh, I don't remember what Those it was called. Gunships. The big gunships. And they would shoot down um, anybody that would presumably uh, have a crime in their lives. They may not have committed one. Not even a crime. They might just be the person that's harder to control later on. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. So the algorithm predicted who would be a problem in the future mm. and they were going to take them out now. Yeah. Like wiping out a huge chunk of the world population. Just oh. flying around blasting people because the algorithm had targeted people and it determined in advance who would be a problem in the future and was going to eliminate the future possibility of a threat. Yes. Okay. Uh, Having spun off of that now, what if I told you that, that Google has been looking at ways to predictively stop you from thinking of certain ways in the, certain ways in the future by trying to do what they call pre-bunking now? What? They're not debunking. They're pre-bunking. This is a thing. This is a thing? It's like a Captain America algorithm is what I'm saying. They're just planting stuff? Hail Hydra. All right, oh so here's the deal. Goodness. I'll start off with this. My whole section here is being told what to think, all right? This is, this is legit, y'all. This is real. It's also freaky and creepy. Epoch Times has one article on several like this, but Epoch Times has an article dated yesterday. Google expanding its pre-bunking campaign to Germany. It says Google is planning to expand its pre-bunking, that's P-R-E, bunking campaign to Germany after operational success in Eastern Europe with a campaign aimed at countering the effects of what it calls disinformation, even as some experts are warning that pre-bunking is effectively acting as censorship. You think? Here's the actual definition put up by Google on its website uh, February 13th. It says pre-bunking is, quote, a scientifically researched communication technique that helps users to recognize and reject future attempts to manipulate them with false information. Whoa. This helps, I kid you not, quote, this helps to increase society's resilience to disinformation and related narratives and manipulation techniques. I'm pretty sure this is a manipulation technique. Yeah. I mean, the idea that they're saying it's a scientifically researched communication technique that helps you to recognize and reject future attempts to manipulate you. All they're saying is, we're going to make sure you don't see certain things so you don't know what to think, and we'll tell you what to think, please. That's what they're doing. 
So, yeah, the algorithm from Captain America seems a whole lot more real. They apparently yeah. were successful doing this in what they, they say through a company they have called, or called Jigsaw in Slovakia, Poland, the Czech Republic. And now Germany is the second place where Jigsaw is going to be launching its uh, new campaigns. It says, however, some people have questioned the use of pre-bunking, pointing out that the tactic can end up creating biases in the minds of viewers. You think? <laughs> well. Basically... Basically, we're yeah. we're giving you right now the kind of things that you should be thinking in the days to come. Oh, don't 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 whatever you do, don't look that way. Look over here. Here's what you should think. Here's a definition. You ready? Quote: Pre-bunking equals preemptive reputational destruction. What? Non-state equals individuals and organizations, including citizens and nonprofits, and malinformation equals true things that contradict and cast doubt on gated official narratives. All they're saying is, if we want you to think a certain way, we're going to pre-bunk the things that could distract you from our narrative. We're going to make sure that we have algorithmed you into a place that makes you easier to control. Now, that's Google doing it, all right? What happens, though, when you find out your government's doing it? This is just maddening to me. So Twitter, here's a story from February 6th, just a, what, uh seven days ago, eight days ago. Twitter boss Elon Musk accuses the government, a government agency of being the worst offender in U.S. government censorship. Did you know we have a thing called the State Department's Global Engagement Center? The GEC. The Global Engagement Center has now showed up in all the Twitter files as being the place where government was probably the most egregious in trying to control the narrative on Twitter. The Global Engagement Center has a mission. Here's their actual mission. You ready? Quote, to direct, lead, synchronize, integrate, and coordinate U.S. efforts to recognize, understand, expose, and counter foreign state and non-state propaganda and disinformation. In other words, we're trying to set the narrative and make sure that things that don't meet our narrative are being taken care of. So, Elon Musk calls it evil. I don't disagree. But you might want to know that there's also a British company which has been in part funded by our State Department's Global Engagement Center, as well as a grant from a, uh, an organization. Oh, what's it called? I lost my thought, my process here. Let's see. A State Department grant from the NED, the National Endowment for Democracy. The Global Disinformation Index, the GDI. So right now you have the GEC, that's our State Department, the Global Engagement Center. That's their, that's their, that's their we'll-tell-you-what-to-think office. And then you have, and it got so bad, by the way, the GEC got so bad that even Twitter began to say, you're, you're asking for too much. <laughs> oh, Yoel Roth, the guy that looks like Pee Wee Herman from, from Twitter, finally began to say, you're asking for too much. But the Global Disinformation Index, story here from National Review. A British company whose explicit ideological goal is to blacklist and deplatform disfavored speech. Woo! The Washington Examiner just recently had an expose on this. Nobody else is reporting on it. Apparently, GDI, the Global Disinformation Index, a British company, has such an ideological slant that when the story broke on Washington Examiner about how they've been doing things, Microsoft had been using them to help them with their search algorithms. Microsoft has now canceled its relationship with GDI because it looked so freaking shady. So, first of all, the article points out, good on Washington Examiner for actually pointing something out that got Microsoft's attention. 
But secondly, why are we here in the first place? Why is there a British company, this article points out, with a transparently progressive bias, working without any supervision, getting grants from the U.S. State Department and the National Endowment for Democracy, which is a funded organization through the U.S. government, hundreds of thousands of dollars to help them shape the narrative? Not supposed to be happening this way. And by the way, the, the groups that get hammered the most, you might imagine, conservatives. So, yeah, the Washington Examiner's article is great. I would encourage you to go take a look at it. The Washington Examiner's article came out today, this morning. It's called Disinformation, Inc., the government-backed organization that got $315,000 to blacklist conservatives. It says the National Endowment for Democracy, which received $300 million taxpayer dollars, U.S. taxpayer dollars in 2021, gave a $230,000 grant in 2020 to the Global Disinformation Index, that's the GDI, and they got $315,000 the next year from the National Endowment for Democracy to do things like raise the risk ratings and to raise awareness among advertising companies. Elise Stefanik and Marsha Blackburn in the U.S. Senate have both said now the State Department should not be funding these woke organizations and House Republicans will assert our oversight to find out why the State Department is funding these kind of groups. This article also points out that the GDI is in what's called the disinfo cloud, an unclassified platform through the State Department's Global Engagement Center. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? The State Department has the Global Engagement Center with an unclassified platform called the Disinfo Cloud, which is fed in part by this company called GDI out of Great Britain, which is liberal and biased, receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money to help with the narrative shaping and to make sure you know what to think. Because, listen, it's important that your taxpayer dollars are being geared towards helping you know what to think. Never mind the fact that you might want to think on your own. That, that, that's scary for those who are in power. You, hey, you slow that process down of trying to be autonomous and self-governing. Hey, that's not what America's about. We'll tell you what to think. That's what we're looking at right now. It's unbelievable to me that we're at this place. I mean, we know that social media gets steered, but when you find out your government's helping fund it, it just makes it worse. It makes it gross. It makes it icky. It also makes you not trust the narratives. And so when they tell you, go get the vaccine, or, or these balloons are really nothing to watch, or whatever, and then you begin to wonder, hang on a second, didn't I see that in an advertisement? Didn't I see that in something that showed up on my search engine? Didn't I begin to... And you begin to recognize, wait a minute, who's feeding this? And you find out that the Global Engagement Center through your State Department is funding the GDI out of Great Britain to help shape the narrative. And oh, by the way, pre-bunking is just literally them telling you that there may be a thing in the future that you're going to think about, and we're going to make sure you know in advance what to do. That's the creepiest big brother I think I've ever seen. Well, that was a rant. <laughs> That was like an extra monologue, Boomer. I just, just got on a roll, bro. Um, take me to a break, man. We'll do the break right now. We'll come right back. Put a cap on the day. This has been a good one. This has been some content, folks. I'm telling you, you don't get this on other shows. We deep dive the issues on Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, um, hey, listen, ZLA Solutions has been with us since this show began. ZLA Solutions. You can find their website at ZLAUSA.com. So if you're looking for a job personally, man, they do that. They can make it. They got jobs posted right now all over North Alabama. Check them out. Good paying jobs. But ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. They're not just for individuals to find a job. They can help employers fill out the ranks of their, their workforce. And, and so if you're, if you're an employer and you need people, it can be onesies and twosies. It can be, you know, high tech or no tech. It can be, you know, I, I like to say blue collar, white collar, no collar. It doesn't matter. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing for you if necessary. They can get you the people you need. And they've had an epic level of success in getting that done. Um, the, the best year they've ever had, really. So, yeah, check them out, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Um, so uh, John from Huntsville is apparently pleased. Uh, I got an A++ today, Boomer. Um, and, and John, nice. And John, John said earlier, too, he said, he said, Phil, you're on a roll. Don't let anybody slow you down on this lonely holiday. John, <laughs> don't be lonely, brother. Don't you got lonely. us. We love you. John from Huntsville. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs says, as you know, it's Valentine's Day. If you've asked the spouse or girlfriend what you want, they say, don't bother. Don't listen. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Jay from Huntsville. Jay from Hartzell says, uh, pre-bunking. That's what wives everywhere have been practicing for years. <laughs> no Valentine's for you, Jay. Um, I got, I got two callers hanging on the line, so I'll jump over there and finish out the show with some calls. Uh, line one, Jeff from Indiana. Jeff Rowe, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Phil. Good. What's on your mind, hey, man? Yeah. Hey, when you get old and senile, yeah, who's going to tell you what to do? You know, Who's going to feed your teleprompter? Is Boomer still going to be around? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Can't imagine life without him. Uh, maybe you can find the same ones. That, uh, I, I guess it's the... The political, uh, the, the uh, Congress senility uh, information squad or something, maybe the one that's feeding uh, uh, Joe Biden and uh, and uh, Diane Feinstein, California, Diane Feinstein and Fetterman. Uh, let's see, they, they, you know, they got their work cut out for them here lately. Oh, they do. Got all these. Do you see about Fetterman? I mean, uh, uh, Feinstein today, uh, her an office announced she was uh, retiring and she didn't know. Do we lose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice to have somebody to tell you what to do through life. You know, even though you're the one who's supposed to be making the decision. Yeah, you'd like to think they at least have your best concerns. You know, your 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 welfare at at, at heart. But uh, I don't know that we can always say that with the global. Uh, what's it called? The Global Engagement Center. Uh, do you think maybe they have uh, a signed power of attorney? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they don't. Although they want it, they want it bad. They want a power of attorney over all of our lives. That's exactly what's happening. Um, um, I'm thinking you're correct. All right, Jeff Rowe, be good on the air. We have you on the road, man. I got to get another phone on the air before we run out of time. All right. All right, line two, Cliff from Huntsville. Cliff, how you doing? Pretty well. How you doing, Phil? I'm good. I'm good. What's on your mind? Hey, about uh, pre-bunking. Yeah. We we debunk or don't debunk facts, not opinions. So wouldn't it make sense to pre-bunk Joseph Goebbels' future utterances? <laughs> it, it would have been nice if they could have pre-bunked Joseph Goebbels, but um... okay, because you you can pretty much expect lies to come out of his mouth. Well, he's dead, <laughs> but yeah, back then, yeah. Well, 
Um, well, what about Donald? What about Donald Trump? Lyingest liar in the history of lying. Oh, really? You think? Is that is he is he well, the, on, is he, on is, the top? Is he the, on is the, is he the measuring stick for lies? Is what you're telling us? Yeah, I'm saying he's the lyingest liar in the history of lying. So, so when when uh, Pete Booty Judge goes on the air and doesn't talk a thing about uh, anything to do with the supply chain mismanagement or airlines that can't run or you know or train derailments in Ohio, he wants to talk about white men having contractor jobs. You're you're saying that the the lies really are Trump. That's the problem with society right now. No, I'm saying you can't debunk something somebody didn't say. Well, if, you're, if, you're, if you heard if you're this, if you heard this you're agreeing with me now. See, you're agreeing with me now because the segment was on pre-bunking, which is making sure that you don't have a chance to think the things they don't want you to think. That's what the whole segment was about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I would say pre, well, since debunking is taking a fact and saying this is false, pre-bunking would be to say, no, no need to read that. It's probably a lie. That's that's exactly what it is. In fact, it's what it's trying to say is do not paying attention to that thing that could be coming down the road. We'll tell you in advance how you should feel when you get there. That's what it is. Well, I know, but saying the same but, thing. But how did this become how this become Trump what? for you when this is being done under the Biden administration? How how is how is what? it? We had a half a million. We got a half a million U.S. taxpayer dollars through the Global Engagement Center in the in the Biden State Department funding a group out of. Uh, um, uh, Europe to 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 pre-bunk, and you you came up with Trump. How'd that happen? Because he's the lyingest liar in the history of lying. What do you mean? So so basically, you're one of those that everything's Trump. Is that what I'm hearing? Everything's Trump. No, what you're hearing is I would say if anyone needs to, <laughs> anyone's statements need to be ought to be pre-bunked. Uh, it's Donald Trump's. Okay. And before him, before and, him, and here's Jonas what else. Here's what leader. else. Here's what else I'm hearing, Cliff. The music's playing in the background, which means my day's done, and so are you, bud. Have a great day. All oh. right, Boomer, let's go ahead and take it out, folks. Phil Williams and Boomer back here tomorrow at two, and maybe it'll all be about Trump. Who knows? Y'all stay tuned. Have a great night. We'll see you then. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.